Hey, Ricky, you know what's awesome? What's that? Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> going on in that movie huh <laughs> <laughs> everything man everything i've got this uh i've got this theory that all movies all things lead back to phantasm it's just mine i made it up so you might have, you might have to prove it <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> oh man if there's one guy that absolutely terrified me growing up. It was the tall man. And I can trace it back to why it was the impact. Because first thing I remember ever scaring me was Christopher Lee as Dracula. Because I grew up seeing the Universal Monsters. They were black and white. I was young. I could handle it. Uh, Christopher Lee in color with the scalary lenses, the blood coming out of the mouth, terrified me. So I figured out as a kid, well, if Dracula's coming in my room and he's trying to get to my neck, I'll sleep with my hands like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't get his head in here and get to my neck. Problem solved. Brilliant. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and it, I mean, for still, I still sleep with my arms up like this because I've done it so long as a kid. It's just, <laughs> but, uh, Second thing that scared me was the, the doll from uh, Trilogy of Terror. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Uh, here's a toy. <laughs> here's a doll attacking people. To a kid that's, I don't mm -hmm. know, maybe four at the time. Yeah, that's pretty I rough. Think. Yeah. Luckily, I've never seen a doll like that before, so I knew that, well, if it's not in my house, I ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> I've seen some amazing replicas, though. Yeah, I have, too, but you know what? Not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> they'll I they'll that. sell it to you without the, chain, without the chain, they'll sell it to you, you know. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. You have to look at it and make sure it doesn't have the switch on the back that switches it to evil. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's it you got this doll set to evil you know <laughs> but after that I mean it was the tall man because here is I never put it together in my head before about Frankenstein and the little girl maybe it just didn't register when I was little but this is the first time that I've seen a scary guy chasing a kid that was close to my age and that was just terrifying to me because just like the kid you had no reason or idea of why he would be chasing this kid which is pretty much what scares me the most did, it's did one thing to be chased did, by somebody because you did something wrong it's another thing to be chased by somebody just because mm -hmm. did you have a fair faucet hairdo back in those days too like a good old mike there you know no i didn't man i had the bowl cut <laughs> <laughs> Oh. It's, it's not feathered enough, man. Come on now, you know. Yeah. The, ver the first exposure I got to Phantasm was there used to be a channel on cable and it was a video, it was, it was a movie preview channel. 
And so it would just run down kind of, you know, coming soon, um, what was coming to the theaters. And, um, you know, my grandparents used to watch, it's like kind of like people with CNN now, where it's just like you have the, the news on with the scroll. My grandparents used to have the movie preview channel on. So it would just be like everything that was coming out in theaters. And then it had like the little segments where it was like behind the scenes, you know, it's like, oh, here's so-and-so in makeup, you know, on Princess Bride or whatever, you know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I remember seeing the preview for Phantasm 2 and, you know, the ball is back and it's, you know, running around through the hallway, chasing people around. And that scene where he's like, it's just a dream. It's just a dream. And then he's like, pops the door down. He's like, no, it's not. And it's yeah. like scary as hell. And it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, now, strangely enough, I watched Phantasm 2 without seeing the first one. Like it was yeah. just what it came out and I had no idea what was going on. And I guess we talked last week about, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and, and, you know, you really don't get a sense of what the first one's about by watching that one. It's its own <laughs> thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you might know a little bit more of what's going on in two by watching the first one first but you don't get yeah. any inkling of what the first one's about by watching the second one. It's just, no. it's just weird. So um, yeah, I remember watching Phantasm 2 and being like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it is so weird. So then watch the first one and didn't a whole lot of questions get answered. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing about part two is they were really trying to make it a story to where if you didn't see the first one, didn't really matter because the introduction of the girl and all that stuff you know that was you know the second one is it's almost like evil dead too right it's kind of a retelling but it's with a budget so, you know universal <laughs> universal got their hands on it because of all these sequels that were coming out that were doing so well hey here's one in the mgm locker let's uh let's see if we can dust it off and do something with it um, but yeah, they, uh, they have the whole last time on fan, last time on Phantasm opener to Phantasm yeah. 2. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. It, in a way, it's kind of all laid out that Tall Man's a thing, and that uh, the Jawas. I'm going to call them Jawas because you know <laughs> they they did it first before Star Wars. That issue, I, sure I think he owes Coscarelli some money. That's all I'm saying about that one. Yeah, but um, you, you get the semblance that that Jody's gone, and that Mike and Reggie are a thing. So you could easily go into the second movie watching the recap of the first movie. I love the first film, but oh, yeah. like me and, and like like Billy, you know, I think part two is more readily available to people, whether yeah. it be on television or be on the great VHS box cover that you, you've seen on the shelves. Because I saw Phantasm 1 way later, and I remember going to the video store and, and buying their copy off the shelf because I didn't, you know... It's like the third rock from the sun thing where they didn't realize that Arthur two was a sequel to Arthur one, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a great episode. I digress yeah. though, but um, yeah, a lot of folks <laughs> saw Phantasm two first. And I think that was, that was the reason that it's probably their favorite. And it's the VHS boom, right? I mean, it, it was the heyday of VHS. It was new. It was uh, a sequel, which really didn't matter. Right. When we were mm -hmm. young, it didn't matter if it was part two, part three. You saw the cover. It was a newer movie. You looked at the cool stuff on the back. That's all you needed. It didn't matter if you hadn't seen the other one before. You just grabbed it and went because 
you know, <laughs> that's what you did with VHS. <laughs> and I think the saying Phantasm 2 is my favorite now, which it's, it's not, just, people love it, it's not my favorite. You know, because yeah. with, with, with new eyes and watching the context of the other films, it has become a lower end film for me. It lower on lower on the list than than a lot of them, and that's not well, even a diss to them, you know. Well, it's I think it's because you know the backstory probably like I do as well, and mm -hmm. there's too many fingers in the pie with that one. I mean, when when you're gonna take Michael out of it and put this other character in there because he just wasn't sellable enough. I mean, the whole reason I wanted to see it is because I grew up relating to Michael in the first one, you know. I mean, even that's not a big hurt hurt point for me. I love I love Michael Baldwin and everything, but you know the probably the, the I don't like because they, they changed this one this one actor out. It's not even that. It's more of a content thing than sure. anything else. And sure. well, like I said, it's kind of a retelling, right? I mean, yeah. what do they? You you've got some different characters in there, and you get mm -hmm. the whole pumping the the tall man full of embalming fluid, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I still see what you mean because. Where is it really going that we haven't already seen? The only thing you're seeing different is some of the effects. So mm -hmm. this is, again, Coscarelli, which yeah. we just talked about Beastmaster on the last episode, too. This is kind of where he comes out of Beastmaster and does this. You talked about those creatures, right, from Beastmaster that look very Fulci-ish, right? Mm -hmm. It looks like a Lucio Fulci film there for about 15 seconds. <laughs> And this is him taking the old platform and dusting it off. He's got some credibility because of Beastmaster, Universal Bites, but they're pretty restrictive on a lot of things they can do. But I don't know. I think overall it's still pretty awesome. I, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend the first movie my whole life. Because, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's, just, it's just the work the the the, the blue collar work that went into the first movie. Yes. I mean, he literally brought money from his parents to make the movie, and it took, I forget how many years to make the movie, a couple of years yeah. to make the movie, yeah. because they kept running out of money, so they go back and do it again, go back and do it again, you know? Yeah. And it's, 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 pretty, the, it's, pretty, it's pretty flawless, though. You can't really tell, like, Mike is aged in certain scenes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, just so much about it. I mean, you, you end up loving Reggie, which, if, if you have to get technical about it, Bruce Campbell... This kind of a rip off of Reggie in a yeah. way. <laughs> and th there was a lot of those those. Well, not Bruce Campbell, Ash. Ash, yes, Ash, well, yes. <laughs> especially in Phantasm Two. <laughs> well, yeah. you know they do. They definitely do have the uh, the bottle. I don't remember if it was of Ash or if it was of fluid or whatever. That's uh, got Sam Raimi's name on it. In yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the in the embalming room, and then uh, Reggie's dressed as Ash with the chainsaw. You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and of course, there's always a bigger chainsaw, y'all. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which again probably ties back into the whole Texas Chainsaw Two thing as well, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so there's everybody kind of had the same mindset going on. Uh, I was thrilled when they decided they're going to make a part two. And I still like it a lot. I, really, I like all of them in the series except for Ravager, which I know why they did it. But I don't know, man. We're just just in retrospective of watching it, it's it's pretty weak. Well, I just watched. I just marathoned uh, the first three for this yeah. you know, to bone up for the show, and yeah. it's 
strange because you mentioned that the third one is probably people call it the weakest. I actually enjoyed the third one quite Damn. a bit. A lot I, of I, fun with it. I mean, three is is a blast. I mean, that was probably yeah. the most fun of the three that I, yeah. of them. It's kind of you know because. It, you know, horror movies being what they are, you know, it's like you're, you you step from the first one. Okay, well, this is the, the, the core of the story. So let's move forward a little bit and try to expand some characterization. Let's, you know, expand the lore or whatever. Yeah. Part three, it was like, okay, well, now all that's established. Let's just yeah. run okay, with it. Let's run. Yeah. And, you know, so you've got this. Absolutely. I love the ending of part three because you are left in a, it's, it's almost like Luke getting his hand cut off in Empire, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this thing happens, you're just like, holy crap, it's going to end right here. And then, of course, you get the great, you know, hey, don't believe everything you see, Reggie, you know? Yep. Well, there's that. There's all, I mean, there's the Psycho Home Alone kid, which was freaking cool. It's awesome. I mean, he's, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So dressed the same as Kevin with the little red hoodie and everything. Like, everything is, <laughs> but it's just like, what I, I mean, but it's also that adult adult slash i mean kevin wasn't an, if you think about home alone in real life you know well, first of all the stuff that he did to the bandits would have killed him for the most yes, part sir. like he the like like those those traps would have would have killed them at the same time anybody who legitimately was in fear for their life would have like taped knives onto some of those traps and made them more deadly than they were and so yeah. then, you know, it's almost a catharsis watching Phantasm <laughs> 3 where he's got like the Frisbee with the, with the, the razor blades on it. And like, dude, when he flings that tomahawk and just cleaves that chick's head right in half. And you're just so like, good. so good. at this point in the movie, you have no idea what's going on. Like the, fir <laughs> the first two movies are like non -sick, nonsensical fever dreams. And then right. here's some kid with a tomahawk just like, whoop. And you're just like, well. I almost rewound it. It was like, did I did, but then they clutch up back to her and she's got that thing buried in her skull and falls over. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So like I had a blast with part three. It was awesome. <laughs> I, I, I love the fact that it's just like, Oh, like at home alone, it's just this kid that happens to, to you know, the lay of his house, you know, he's doing this to survive this kid. And yeah. he's been at this for a long time. You can tell he's got, he's got bodies buried in the yard. Well, graves, they, 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 they dug them all up. <laughs> You know the, the the lurkers as he calls them, and I love the fact is that this is a scrappy kid. He's just kind of like the scrappy kid, but you know what? He he can rule some butt, and he's been doing this for a long time. So because he's because he had to. You know, his father died, and his mother was taken, so he was forced to be on his own. So I like the backstory of him, and I like the character. He's not just like this crappy attic kid. Yeah, that was yeah. one thing too. Whenever he trapped the dude in the in the pit. And then the camera pans back. He's like, when I get out of here, you're in trouble, just like a Joe Pesci. And then the camera pans yeah. back and he drops the hammer on him. <laughs> just done. <laughs> you're not getting out of there to bother me anymore, sir. <laughs> it is so cool. Yeah, I just, uh, and moving on from that to part four, I know that Bo Ransell is definitely not a fan of part four, but I, I, I like it, man. I mean, this is a point in the career where they had a chance to try to wrap things up. Uh, Angus was in pretty bad health at this point. So there was all this laying around footage that they cut out from the first one that they found a way to rekindle and, and make some other part of the story out of it. 
And I think for what they did, it it's actually pretty cool. Um, you know, I, you, I love you, you saying it, but, it. It sounds kind of minimal, like just listening to this podcast. But if you listen to, it, if you watch it, you watch the scenes that are intercut in the movie. It's yeah. edited. It's edited flawlessly. It, it yeah, is really, you know, it's done really well. And what it does, this is the brilliance of part four that people don't understand. Well, maybe they understand, but the big thing you walk away with, and this is why I love Phantasm. I love it because it's just like X-Files, because you get an episode, it answers two or three questions, but then you've got 15 more questions afterwards, right? Because it just keeps opening Pandora's box. Part four, Michael has seen what's on the other side. He finds out how the tall man travels through these dimensions, and he ends up going back to when the tall man first appeared on the planet. And he comes into the same dimension that the tall man's in as, as older Michael. They see each other. And the, the tall man sees Michael grown and he backs away and goes back into the dimension. And the tall man says, and so it begins. So the whole going back to the first movie is the tall man seeing him as a grown kid or a grown man and going back in time to stop him. So he doesn't reveal what the secret is. I mean, that's pretty rad. I mean, it works, there's, man. There's a lot of known unknowns in these films. And yeah, I think the people that, that don't understand that, that they're the ones that just don't get it because yeah. the, the whole po point of phantasm is, and they say it throughout, throughout the series is, you know, never trust what you see. You don't know right. what's real. Right. So the fact that he tosses away the four barrel shotgun in part two and he gets it back immediately in part three is not <laughs> that far of a stretch. It's not that far of a stretch because you can't trust what you see. And they, they make it a point of saying that throughout the series, you know. He might he might have thrown it away, he might not have. I mean, just like like, like with, with with his brother dying in the first one, even though mm -hmm. you're just told that he died. You know, you really don't come and, to the realization until the fourth one that yes, yeah. Jody is in fact dead, and it did happen. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. I and think to me, of, yeah, much much more important than people think. Oblivion is is amazing to watch. It's much more important. Than I, think, I, I hate I hated when it came out. I hate it, but watching now with with more more critical eyes and more more eyes open about what the series is all about. And yeah. Oblivion is is towards the top of my list of the best Phantasm films. You know? I agree. I agree I, I, because there's so much in there that answers, uh, maybe not answers, but it solidifies it, what it has happened you, throughout all of these. It gives you some exposition, but not uh, not enough to say here's everything. Here's everything laid on the table. Yeah, because even at the, at the end of the series, you know, where they're literally driving off into the sunset. You know, which right. I, I which I love. What, whatever yeah. it, it, it is, what it is. You know. You don't get all the answers. You're never going to get them all. That's the great part of the series. That it's yep. not a series where you say, "Oh, this is terrible." What about this, this, that, and the other? You're not meant to know everything in every film. You're right. not meant to know everything in this series. And if you don't get that, you're probably not going to enjoy as much as we do. Right. <laughs> well, and see again for for me because again I saw Phantasm two in the or late eighties, early nineties when it first came out. I saw Phantasm one in not too long after that. Um. 
I don't remember watching three until the other day. So I've probably seen only the first two. And I know it's, you know, Phantasm as a horror fan, it's like that's sacrilege. But I mean, there's so many movies out there and there's so many series and, um, you know, all of that. But for me, I, I very much got a Jacob's Ladder vibe. Like, yep. I, I thought that Mike was just dead. He died in the car accident with Jody. And this is him as a, either as a ghost or in a coma or something fighting that realization, you know, because everything's so dreamlike and it's weird and there's nothing that's what it seems. I mean, it's very much a dream. I mean, this is, this is a direct, I mean, there are scenes like the, the janitor scenes and stuff in nightmare on Elm street and stuff that are just like right out of here. And we'll talk about that in the next segment (laughs) after the commercial, like all the influences and stuff, but there's so much stuff that's just like, it's dream logic and it's, it's non sequitur and it doesn't have to make sense. And that's when you're said, I think everything comes back around to, to phantasm because at the end of part three, whenever he opens his eyes and he's a sphere, I'm like, I'm like, well, I kind of thought this the whole time. I didn't know he was a sphere, but like whatever madcap world that they're living in um, where like Reggie blew up his house in, yeah you know, at the beginning of part two, but then, part two. but then he comes home and it's still there and then it blows up again. Like those <laughs> sorts of things where it's just like, we just saw it. Like yeah. we, we just saw it blow up. And so like, for me, I was like, he's gonna, he's gonna realize he's dead. He was gonna realize that, and especially tall man's like, you think you go to heaven when you die? No, <laughs> you come to us. Come like, to okay, us. well, he's pretty much in hell or purgatory or something in that in that realm and so like that's what i got from it and it never let up i mean i still thought that coming out of part three so i mean i just i love the beauty of it's kind of like i'm glad you brought up nightmare on street because i've got a whole episode that i did of house of wax that is how much nightmare on street rips off the original phantasm but i digress on that (laughs) i love the idea that in order for in order for this to work, the tall man already knows everything you're going to do before you do it. So even the scenes where he lets you kill him, I mean, you see the scene, is it in, it's the second one, right? Where, where we just embalmed him, and then he comes out later and picks up the body that's been embalmed and throws it back through the portal? That's it. That's the very beginning of part three. Yeah. Part three, that's, right? Yeah, because- so he... He knows what is going to happen before it happens. I mean, it's it's the Matrix before the Matrix. You're right. But, but, You're but, right. Not, but not in the computer. This is like yep. interdimensional stuff, you know. And you've got the Terminator type story where he's actually going back in time to stop the kid. Mm-hmm. So he can continue dominating these planets like he's been doing. I, 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 I got to talk about the Angus Grim swagger real fast because that's that's all this oh, yeah. film is. Is he's it's just it's yeah. him, it's, it's kind of like um like 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 David Prowse. His his voice isn't there, but it it, it wouldn't be Vader without him. It wouldn't be Phantasm without Angus Grim, and he does a great Absolutely. video um at Old Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. If you, I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Yep. Where he, he just says like, "Okay, I'm in this film." But I have like eight lines, and that's it. <laughs> the, the the presence is there, and yeah. this is what's the most important about the series: is that 
you know, Angus, you know, Rory Guy, a guy who wrote liner notes for albums, didn't 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 want to pretend to be an actor at all. He's just this imposing figure, but if you get to ever got to meet him in person, he's like the nicest man on the planet. Super nice. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but you're terrified yeah. at the same time. Like uh, yeah. you see a shake the hand of tall man, like I don't know, yeah. but you know, it's, it's nicest <laughs> guy on the planet, man. Uh, he's, he's heavily missed. It's that yeah. it's the eyebrow. It's, yeah. like, it's like he's got the most yeah. talented eyebrow, you know. <laughs> it's so great. So I don't know if you know the story, Billy, but and you may have I don't know where he was telling the story, but he actually wrote the liner notes for the Beatles' first album. Oh, wow. And talked about how they were not going to make it. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to Quincy Jones, they'll tell you why they weren't going to make it, okay? You know? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, the the tall man to me is, he's, he's the ultimate baddie in my book. He's so intelligent, controls time controls everything mm-hmm. right and his job is he's thanos right he just goes from planet to planet makes them all his slaves and moves on <laughs> yeah i mean for a horror movie that's a big leap because it's not just some dude in a hockey mask or something that simple it's it's planet domination this guy's doing which kind of takes it out of the horror realm right that's more mm-hmm. sci-fi so I think that's why I've always liked it because you know me, show me something different. Man, if Phantasm's not different, I don't know what is. The the, the balls. The, the, oh, yeah. The, just, I mean, so, some of those, I mean, because they're all different. Like, you have the the knife that sticks out the front, but even that knife doesn't even dig that deep. That's what's, right. great, what's so, so great about it is, like, it digs deep enough that it would have killed you had had it, like if you would have just laid there with that knife stuck in your head, sure you would have died. But yeah. no, it pops out with drill, and then the straw and shoots it off the back, and it's just like, man, that is so cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to tell you a story about this. So, my daughter had some friends over spending the night. This is back when she's in high school. Some kids are over. And uh, something was on TV, sci-fi channel, whatever. And it was some scene out of a movie that this kid thought was scary. My daughter said, that's not scary. Watch this. And she popped in that scene (laughs) of the ball hitting the janitor in the first movie. (laughs) And I don't think that kid ever came to our house again. (laughs) The the classic, uh, still very orangish uh, red blood the italian blood from the, the 60s yeah. and 70s yes yeah yeah and I, the, love that, uh, I love that the, color uh, in hd the relieving himself too was kind of the the uh, thing that you didn't see a lot in movies where you see the urine kind of pouring out everywhere after he <laughs> oh, dies God, yeah. so and again so you introduce this sphere right that can do this to a person you go to the second movie where you've already been introduced to these silver ones and you see the guy that is scared of the gold one, right? So you're thinking, wow, if the silver one's bad, this thing must be really bad. Well, this guy has one sphere, got him stuck to a door, right? The gold one's coming at him. So the gold one is so bad, he's going to cut his own hand off to get away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, 
the way that Coscarelli sets that stuff up just makes you go, holy crap. Because are you I, willing <laughs> are you willing to do this <laughs> to get away whatever, from that? <laughs> whatever it's gonna get you with is gonna be worse than it drilling your whole your head, <laughs> your face with, yeah. the, with the drill. And that scene where it goes in that guy's back and it comes up through him and tries yeah. to come out of his mouth. It's just incredible. It's incredible. They, they then get, they I can upgrade it for sure. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> that's all right. I, I love the fact that later on, maybe part three, maybe Oblivion, I'm getting a little fuzzy right here. When they have to use the ball to open the key to the door, right? They use it as a keyway. That's that's and part he, two, I think. I think it's part two. I think I so, think too. Because so. yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Because he, he pulls it out, and it hits the tall man in the head and starts drilling. Mm -hmm. And he just, he just takes it and crushes it. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> We've established the power these things have, and then you see the power the tall man's got. He's like, don't forget, like, don't forget, bitch, I made these, man. I'm going to crush right. them in my hand, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's just awesome. Well, and then later on, you find out they're full of brains, so whenever you crush yeah. that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it's killed somebody just then. Like, it's not just an orb. It's, and the uh, fact that and the fact that the tall man has Michael on that table and he cuts his head open and you see that there's a ball in his head. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what the heck? <laughs> like you're playing Ultimate Lobotomy today, starring Michael <laughs> and Angus Grimm. You know. Yeah. I just I just love it, man. I just love the, it so much. The the special effects, the 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 gore is uh and time check, we got ten minutes, so the yeah. the, the gore in in part two and part three was, you know, you ever hear that, 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 that the three bears where it's like too hot, too cold, just right. Yeah. Because right. man, the, the, the stuff that comes out of the tall man, whenever like he gets injured and he's got like the little claw things yeah. popping out of his wounds yeah. and you know, his eyes exploding and like the yellow blood everywhere. It's just like, dude, this is so cool. I mean, it's not even, it's not even like, gory scary it's just like dude like how much fun would it have been to be on set that day <laughs> they're like all right here's the plunger you know but then you know with the three stooges in um in part three where, where they're just yeah. getting more and more it's like thanks for the ride lady all over yep. again <laughs> like they're just getting splattered and they just keep coming back i mean yeah I, I I didn't realize till this time around that I watched all five films to give myself a refresher for especially the last few that they introduced the zombie aspect, like the the, the um, like the yeah. ghoul aspect in the second movie. I didn't realize that until this viewing. Yeah. Because they, they, they stab the, the, the preacher, you know, mm -hmm. who's working for the tall man obviously stabs the the corpse and he comes back. That's the thing that comes back to get him to take him to the man. tall man. Yeah. Yeah, man. That that the grandpa and grandma scene right? dude when he stabs wow. he turns around the lady sitting there looking at him <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's just kind of like did i do that <laughs> it was like a total urkel moment <laughs> like he didn't see that did you <laughs> and the scene that we've seen a million times in other movies where you're in the bed and you're rolled over and the body is there you know <laughs> you know yeah so good. Man, what's his name? The little boy in part three with his uh, his dad. He's yeah. Like, he's like, yeah. yeah, you know, dad dad went nuts and then mom went down to look and then 
he goes down there and opens the thing and her head's twisted around backwards and he starts laughing at him. Oh, like, it's, ter- yeah. it's pretty terrifying, actually. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> this is, yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah Coscarelli just, you know, it, it all started with the ideas of just writing down things that creeped him out and somehow fleshing a story out of that. I mean, that it, it, it's got such an originality to it that there's not there's nothing else like it there's really not except for we're going to take a commercial break and we'll talk about some of the stuff it in, it influenced but uh we'll be right back phantasm is it a nightmare phantasm is it an illusion phantasm is it an evil you have to take me home No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm. All right, so Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. <laughs> you got all excited a minute ago, so I want to hear what you got to say about that one. Cause... Well, and don't get me wrong. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it, it was another movie that gave me the same kind of feels that I got with Phantasm of I'm watching this and I can't distinguish what is real, what is not. Is it a fever dream? Which the good thing about Nightmare on M Street is they tell you these things happen in the dreams. The trick is, is you can't determine when they're in dream state, when they're not. Right. Not really much difference than what's happening in Phantasm. Because at the end, we were told, oh, it was all oh, just a dream, right? Just too many similarities, right? There's, there's a scene where Michael is running from the tall man, and he gets in some super gooey mud all of a sudden, which is very, very reminiscent to the staircase mm-hmm. that Heather Leggenkamp is going up, that Nancy's going up. I mean, there's, I did a whole breakdown on the movie of how much it rips off the original phantasm Mm -hmm. and the list goes on and on and just the fact of 
you think you can kill the bad guy, but really they're ahead of the game. They they know how to how to do all these things that you don't know. Uh, turning your back on evil. If you remember, you know, uh, Michael gets to the point to where it's not real. You know, he's he sees the lady in lavender and he turns his kind of turns his back on her to get away from her. So there's all those similarities where, you know, we know for, you know, Nancy turns her back on Freddie mm-hmm. and that's how he kind of disappears. The big kicker is the very last scene of both movies where Michael goes upstairs to pack up his stuff to leave with Reggie. He shuts the door behind him. The tall man is in the mirror. He turns to see the tall man and some hands just come out of the mirror and grab, uh, grab Mikey, Michael, mm-hmm. pull, pull him back him. in. Let's what happens at the end of Never on M Street? Precisely. <laughs> except it's except it's Nancy's mom, right? There's so much stuff, and and you you know you mentioned like a scene by scene breakdown, but you know I was saying earlier it's like the dream logic sort of thing. Yes. And I think there's there's something about movies, and I mentioned Jacob's Ladder because Jacob's Ladder is very much like that. Where yes, it does follow a a, a plot. Yeah. There's there's points between plot points that aren't part of the plot that are just there, but you don't understand that until the end, right? And so like with Jacob's Ladder, for example, it's like, okay, then hopefully I'm not spoiling uh, Jacob's Ladder to anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but, you know, it's like thing, weird things are happening to him. He's having strange visions and yada, yada, yada. So then he's going to like the VA... And he's going to the conspiracy guys that are talking about like Agent Orange and how different people have died. And yet, but then at the end, it's revealed that none of that matters because he's been dead on the battlefield the whole time, right? So yeah. it's like, but was all of this stuff like, was he envisioning an alternate dimension? Was it just like his yeah. hope for what could have been? Like, you don't, you leave the film really not realizing what was real, what wasn't like, did he really die on the battlefield or is he just, or did he, did he leave his soul on the battlefield? And he's just been kind of like walking through his life ever since. Like, and so like, same thing with like phantasm is the whole time. If, if at at the end of it would revealed that Mike was, had died in the car accident, I'd have been like, yeah, I pretty much called that from the beginning because (laughs) and and then whenever he revealed him as an orb in, in the third one, I was like, that makes sense because whatever strange dream realm dimensional whatever they're doing you know you can call it extra dimensional but the dream realm is just as palpable as a as a as a place to to operate your story as any place else and then we have good old nightmare on elm street that kind of accentuates some of these points i guess so having seen having seen nightmare on elm street i'm kind of like i can pretty much guess that none of this is real at all and he's in a hospital bed somewhere and it makes perfect sense you know the whole scenario too of the parents are totally clueless to everything that's going on too well that's that's a, that's, that's a 70s 80s thing though you know <laughs> yeah that's true I mean, look, look at look at the look at the gate the parents are away for the weekend he's left with the sister they get their house is getting destroyed by a hell dimension they're being their beasties Dude, what's the, what, do you, what do you tell the insurance company? Come on, man. 
we could do a whole show on the gate, man. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, what do you think on all this, Gary? I mean, what do you uh, hype in dis- here a bit? I can't disagree with you, you know, about being heavy comparison to Nightmare on Elm Street. But then again, if you look on the the cinema beef doc, you looked at it, Reggie, and you looked at a uh, Ricky that um called you Reggie. There you go. See, but uh, hey, I'll <laughs> um, take it. Dream Dreamscape, I think it's Dreamscape, and Nightmare on Elm Street are together on, on an episode of Cinema Beef coming whenever it's going to come out, and those are very similar. You know, yeah. s- s- similar, sim- similar. Making up words now, though, similar. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of comparisons there. But it's Phantasm came out is very unique there's a lot of stuff in it that that you may not think matters but in the long run it really does like michael sticking his hand in the box at, at, right. at the psychic you know it's all about yeah. you know yeah no when he's fear. sitting there talking to ozzy osborne yes yes yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that old lady looks like ozzy sitting there going oh yeah <laughs> it all goes back like the, if you fear you know you're you're gonna feel pain and you know is there anything in that box you don't know and it's, it's like a reality and I had to go back to Jacob's ladder for for a quick second. That the, the the dance scene with Elizabeth Pena yeah. is one of the sexiest and most terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. So you absolutely. know, it, uh, <laughs> but, um, absolutely. If Phantasm is a strange animal, it's it, it's really unique in that way, though, and it's it's imitated but never really duplicated in the way it does with storytelling. And we didn't talk about the score, but the score and especially in the, in, in the first one, is, is very, if you like Giallis, and it, it sounds very Giallis-esque, and I never noticed that very until much. just viewing, you know, how, how many beats it, it takes from there, like borrows from there, and it, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of wonderful, and not so much the disco version of the Phantasm theme, you know? <laughs> yeah, when but, they go to the bar, and they're playing the yeah. same theme in the bar, I mean, it's all those little things, man, that subconsciously you're going... It's it's making it all meld between reality and this this fantasy world all at the same time. Well, it was driving me nuts because like that score is two notes different from the Crystal Ship by the Doors, and <laughs> I'm sitting being like, I know this, I know this, I know this, I know this, and it finally clicked, and I was like, oh well, that didn't help like, because the Crystal Ship's a bizarre song. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> a question because there's parts of these, these series that make you laugh out loud you know and there, there, there's just sure. a couple scenes that stick out to me but one that makes you laugh every time is when mike is in the cemetery at the same time jody's in the cemetery with with the lady in lavender and he hears him scream like a, like he screams like a girl and it's hilarious everybody yep. hear that too but mike when, when jody pops his head he's got, he's got her panties in his mouth <laughs> yeah. i can't stop laughing you know <laughs> <laughs> what the heck <laughs> yeah, uh, they probably mostly involve Jody because Jody Jody has the one scene where he's Reggie's getting it done, or is he getting it done with Rocky? He just said, like, "Well, Reggie, we got something to talk about here, brother." You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, I also do claim that uh, uh, the crying game rips off Phantasm too. They they just cut the scene out of Jody when he realizes he he's been sleeping with the tall man. Oh. Well, he was the lady I, in Lavender. I, I love the story that Cat Lester tells about her and her mother seeing the film for the first time in theaters. And <laughs> yeah. the part where her boobs show up, but they're not her boobs. Right. Her mother's like devastated, but she can recognize that they're not her daughter's boobs, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of great stuff, man. 
So let's talk about, I know Billy hasn't seen it, but what's your take on Ravager, the last one? Oh, my, my take? Yeah. I uh, Well, I don't want to, well, I, I'm, we're going to spoil it anyway, but yeah, I, I think you should watch it at least once, Billy. It's basically, you find out that Reggie is diagnosed with dementia, which I think is a cool twist to the whole story because yeah. he keeps popping in and out of these scenarios in the film, but again it goes back to the known unknowns is this all yeah. a story that reggie is telling because of the disease he has you know because of the dementia is it is it, is it literal memories popping back into his head but the biggest mistake ravager makes i think is it's it's that directed by coscarelli this first one right. not directed by him and unfortunately it hurts the film because yeah. you could tell they weren't cheap on certain things like the cg blood and the, yeah. the balls now the balls when they're shown doing stuff like up close, you could tell those are practical. But the ones where you see like them going down the highway, it looks really stupid. Yeah. So that might take you out of the film. Yeah, it it, it, it does hurt it, man. And that I think that's the big drawback is if the story to me, if the story had been a bit stronger. I mean, I do like what what he was talking about, but it wasn't strong enough for you to kind of overlook the effects enough. Yeah, not really. Yeah, and that's again, and it may go back to the fact of this other guy was directing it. It was just this guy was such a Phantasm fan, mm-hmm. and he contacted Coscarelli with this last kind of ditch effort of how do you how do you close it up? So personally, I mean, it's always great to hear they're going to make another one, whatever. But mm-hmm. if it would have ended at four, yeah, I think it would have been a better ending. I, I think so too, but at the same time, Ravager gives me certain feelings. You know, because yeah. I just got I just got done watching 15 years of Supernatural, okay? And yeah. uh, spoilers, if you haven't watched it, Sam and Dean both die in the end of Supernatural. <laughs> and, and so stupidly, you know, like they have, they have, they have the family, they have, they have the second family, right, to kill them off. And they're in heaven and blah, blah, bullshit. This one, yeah. you know, Re- Reggie, you know, unfortunately, uh, succumbs to his disease. And there's Mike and, and Jody by his bedside. Well, the ghosts of them or whatever's going on there. <laughs> and they literally, the end. The end of the film is them riding up into the sunset with these massive spheres in the sky, which yeah. tells you that there is no end game, and I'm yeah. fine with that. That they're going to go on fighting the good fight, when whatever dimension that they're in, and you don't need another movie. You need the Ravager, but you know what? It gave me certain feelings. Sure. And certain, and certain aspects of it really worked, and unfortunately, those other aspects. Like you know, stuff you mentioned um, really didn't work for me or you or most people. I think that um, Coscarelli, who who is a who is a fans director, you talk to the man for for five minutes, you realize that he's here, he's here for us and nobody yeah. else. You know, he makes films that we love. Bubba Hotep, you know, for example, I forgot <laughs> to mention that Bob Ivy, who plays Bubba Hotep, is in like two of these Phantasm films. Once one yep. one is. Um, this the the cop the, the 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 evil cop evil cop part four yeah. yeah but yeah he makes makes films for fans and I think that it really shows on screen again is, and is, I'm Beast, right. is Beastmaster a great film no but he he keeps you in it man with the real animals and stuff and you know I love Beastmaster I love Beast <laughs> uh, I I'm not a fan of the other ones <laughs> part two part three you see I, I can't deny Wings Hauser and, and Sarah Douglas's <laughs> bad guys though they're really great in that second movie well know? that's that's Wings though man he's yeah. he's gonna kill it no matter what he's in mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you know, and go on to Beastmaster because we never have to stay on topic, you know, but Scott and I were talking about it on Scary Dad the other day as, you know, it's like I see so often when anybody mentions Beastmaster, they mention it almost with an asterisk or they've always got to have a qualifier. It's like, it's not a great movie, but it's like, well, I mean, really, you can define great movies with, you know, Scorsese or, you know, Spielberg or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I think I have more memories and more good times associated with Beastmaster than with, you know, certainly more than like Schindler's List, right? So like the difference between high art and good cinema versus just a damn good movie that was fun. I mean, was it, was it ever meant to be more than it was? You know what I mean? Like, was it Conan? Well, no, but we have Conan for that. So we don't need, <laughs> you know, we don't need but Beastmaster to be Conan. Beastmaster- Conan 2 wasn't Conan either, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, Beastmaster is awesome. It's fun. Sure. There's, there's honestly, dude, I don't see really anything wrong with it. I've watched it so many times in my life and I'm just like, you know, could they have made a better movie with more money? Maybe. But would it be this? Probably not. And I like this. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you can you can you can get prime rib, but most people eat hamburgers because they like them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I, I really think what they did there is they took Conan and made him more relatable to people our age when it came out, right? So it's more of a teen version of Conan that still resonates. It still works because he's doing the cool things that we all wish we could do, man. Who doesn't want a pet Black Panther or Black Tiger or whatever he is in the movie? They painted him, whatever he is. <laughs> oh, the stories Costco like tells about those animals, man, is amazing. <laughs> they just would not cooperate for nothing. I mean, who didn't want a Kodo and Poto? Right? I, I mean, to this day, I still want a ferret. My wife's like, you bring a ferret home that just tells me we want a divorce. And I'm just like, I want a ferret, man. Ferrets are awesome. They are, they are filthy creatures, Billy. I'll tell you right now. Dude, I don't really want one. I want, a be- I want Beastmaster style where they just kind of hang out in a bag. Right? <laughs> like run along beside me. And- hey, Kodo, go find my car keys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, so I mean, it's, that's that thing is what made that relatable. And, and I think that's what Costarelli did so well. And it's almost a thing where you can tell it's his work, you know? Um, John dies at the end. Yeah. Really, I'm really shocked that he didn't decide to direct the last Phantasm movie because he had just done that one not too long before which was fantastic. So uh, I don't know. I've always kind of wondered about what was the drawback there. I think it's a family thing. It's like, you know, cause if you talk, if you see the interviews with them, when they get back, to, when they get back together again, it's like a family thing. It's because sure. they're, they're, they're that close and they have a crew to say, yeah. okay, I'll help this guy out and make this other phantasm film because I get to see my friends again. We're all going to work together again. And this is, it was Angus's last ride, but they didn't know yeah. that. I'm sure when they were going to start to make the movie, but it is Angus's last ride. Yeah. And he's got some great lines. He's got some great lines in Phantasm Ravager. It's just, um, yeah, he's, he's used as much as they could use him. And, um, yeah, yeah that's, that's unfortunate too, but yeah, he, he passed. And I got to yeah, tell you, 
That's I'm, the thing that makes that movie kind of difficult because you know they were limited on what they had. And, and again, it goes back to part four, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason they had this footage and they used it is because he was limited on what he could do. Yep. But I will say, as the tall man, he looks scarier to me in, in, Raven, or in uh, Oblivion than in any of them. Yep. I, I mean, because he looks like he's <laughs> not healthy. You know, they, they, they never say what happens to him, which I love in Oblivion, because he goes through the portal, yeah. which, he, which he invents, and he comes back as his being. They never said that when he went to their side, he was corrupted by the other side. They never say anything about that. It's just the fact yeah. that he was, he was once this nice man, this Jebediah Morningside. Jebediah Morningside. Came, when he comes back from the other side, he's something different. They, yeah. they, they never explain anything. They never explain if it's him that comes yeah. back, if it's a, a double of him that comes back. Nothing is explained, and I freaking yeah. love the series for that. Yeah, that nothing yeah. is explained. It's not. It's not put a pretty bow on it. I've heard a lot of people complain about like the ending, like Mom and Dad with Nicolas Cage, but you don't find out what happens if, if the disease goes away. Well, fudgy, you shouldn't know. Maybe you know. Maybe it continues <laughs> forever and ever and ever. You don't gonna have a pretty bow put on everything for you to say. Okay, with this everything explained to us, we can all go home now because Phantasm does not do that, right. and I love it for it. Because it Me leaves, too. it answers some questions, just enough questions, but it leaves you with some questions too. And sure. I will say, Phantasm One, you know, is one of the only films in the series where if I'm in my living room watching it or anywhere, I'll turn one scene up a little bit louder than any other any other film, and that's the port scene. It does oh, yeah. here at midnight, and I turn that part up a little <laughs> bit louder every time. <laughs> like I like double the volume I have it out there, like because you got to play it loud. And yeah. I had, I had a hell of a weekend, a flashback called Flashback Weekend in Chicago, where they all came out and they had a Phantasm concert. I yep. got to see them do it live on sequel. You find all this on YouTube, all the Phantasm concert stuff. Yeah, look for that. I mean, Angus, it, it was the end of a Saturday. He signed everybody's autographs. He was freaking exhausted. Went back to his room for half an hour. Came back on stage to stand up act and sang for the crowd to open the Phantasm concert. And that just shows the resiliency and, and yeah. what a man he was. And um, they're all great. They're all great, man. I mean, my buddy John well, he, Cross, don't shut the fuck, don't shut the freak up about um, this ukulele <laughs> I got, which he claims c- cemented his marriage to his current wife, Kim. This ukulele that I, I he was down the dumps, he got dumped by his, his girl. Crappily, crappily, like she, she, she literally left the house and left them all by himself. But I got him this ukulele from Guitar Center, and I had it signed by by Reggie, Reggie, and and, and Jody, um, Bill Thornberry, and he yeah. thought it was like the greatest thing ever because he was so down. But that elevated him, and he still doesn't shut the hell up about it. <laughs> and I love him for like, but John, shut the hell up about the damn ukulele, okay? I'm not that nice of a guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, what's up, man? <laughs> I wanted Ricky's to grab butt. this. My, my pride and joy is I, I'm that won't even pick up, will it? No, I see part of it. Anyways, there you there, go. There it, is. Oh, there it goes. Yes, it's my uh, the whole cast signed. I'm, I'm trying to forget what year was that because I was there like 
either 2008 or 2009. Right around there, when yeah. They, when they had the Phantasm reunion in Chicago. Then the, we, we did meet each other. That makes me we sad, must, you know. We must, have, we must have been at the same time because yeah. everything that you've talked about, I was like, hey, I think I remember that. So, <laughs> But, yeah, they, they all signed this mini poster, and it's it's one of my pride and joys, man. I, I, I just love Phantasm so much. I can technically say that it's my favorite horror franchise. I, this and Evil Dead, I kind of go back and forth on. <laughs> There's just something so unique about Phantasm that I just love it, man. The fact that, you know, the scene where it <laughs> where it all comes together. I mean, like like Gary was saying, you got the goofiness of in the first movie where the tall man gets his finger cut off and it turns into that. Oh, that demon fly and all that crazy it's, stuff it's so dumb but i can't stop laughing yeah. <laughs> and that's what it's for right mm-hmm. i mean it's supposed to entertain you but then you get the other side of it of the scene where michael's in bed and it pans back and the tall man oh. standing at the head of the bed it's just so good nightmarish mm-hmm. and those two bodies come up out of the grave and grab it i mean these are <laughs> it's just pure nightmare material i love the then sound you effects go to, I love the sound yeah. effects on the on the Jawas, like yeah. I mean, because you're used to seeing. I mean, throw in some Star Wars, but you, you're used to seeing <laughs> Jawas and they're they're little like high pitched gibberish, and then these things sound yeah. like like lions on rabies or just like, <laughs> Star Wars, yeah. Like whoa, man, <laughs> these things are brutal, and then they, you shoot them like four times, and then they don't stop, you know. And how about the scene where Michael goes through the portal and sees the other planet? And it's really unlike anything we had ever seen in any kind of movie before, where it's this desert-type planet, almost like what we consider Mars to look like. And you've got this miles and miles of Jawas in these plastic containers where these things are being born. So shipping their bodies to, a, you know, it's just, what a crazy, bat-crap crazy idea well, for a movie concept. That's, again, one of those situations where... It, if uh you know when he when he says you know when you die you come to us and it's like you know you have your concepts of heaven and hell but if if he's got you know kind of a industrialized dwarf making thing that he makes out of dead people and then he yeah. puts their brains into spheres i mean if you think about it if you're even semi-conscious that's about as close to hell as you're gonna get you know <laughs> And yeah, the tall man's where it's at, man. Those those sorts of things to me are just terrifying. I mean, there's there's lots of things that are terrifying, but like you say, you know, somebody running around through the woods with a hammer or an axe or something, you're like, okay, well, you know, double tap them, shoot them down, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this guy is not gonna stop because you don't even know if you're awake or asleep. You don't you don't even know like what what reality is, you know, like. I mean, that's, that's what makes him more of an imposing figure than Freddy Krueger is that you're not really safe anywhere. Right. You, 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 like you like see that the, the way he's, he, he's sleeping and then, or is he sleeping? You, you don't know. It's all the known unknowns. And, right. you know, it's, it's, that's what makes it work so much better, I think, than, than uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street. You compare the two, right? And you really should compare the two. And it's just if, not... Yeah, if we could crazy. If we could only got Reggie and John Saxon together as a team, though. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a blood boiling now. See, it's amazing. Yeah. 
They'd forget to um, look at he'd forget to look in the attic and the tall man would still be up there. Well, we've made it this whole episode and we haven't brought up the car yet. Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, the CUDA. Yeah. I mean, if anything is known about this movie, people always talk about the car. Even though it's a different car in pretty much every movie. Uh yeah. It, well, it's the, the dream car. The car crashes are all the same too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh that's the dream car. I mean, I know people that don't like this movie, but they want that car. <laughs> that, that's a, that is a badass car. Yeah. I love it when Reggie's trying to get him to sleep in the car so he can go inside and, <laughs> and bang the chick. <laughs> it's, it's just like the little bit of comic relief where he's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, he's like, oh, Michael, give me a break here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Reggie becomes that guy, man. I mean, and, you know, it's the same thing with with the Ash character. I mean, you just you end up loving these characters so much that I don't know when you see Reggie Bannister in anything, you go, "Hey, it's it's Reggie," you know. <laughs> well, and I love that how at the end of of part two, you know, basically he gets killed. You know, you're watching him die in the end of part two. And you're like, "Oh man, he just..." I mean, that poor dude just can't catch a break, and that now he's now he gets killed, and then he just like gets up at the beginning of part three. He's like, yeah. hey, what's up, guys? Oh, he got stabbed <laughs> he got stabbed in the first one. Yeah. I mean, outside in the in the wind machine with all the leaves. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I'm back. It's all good. There's, like, a, great, there's a great line uh, at the beginning of part three where um he's he's got he's he finds Mike and Tall man, of course, walks up and then he pulls the pin on the grenade. He goes, eight seconds to hell. And then um, he goes, yeah. real, real, real droll says, I don't want him in pieces. It's so good, you know. <laughs> oh, come on, man. The four barrel shotgun and just blasting, blasting Jawas out of the tree. Dude, come on, man. That's just awesome. That's, that's good well, funny parts. They, they fall in the tree. Boom, boom, boom. You know, like, three of them, you know? <laughs> he's got four barrels and he shoots once and then like they fall down one at a time that's that's great and you have to know like set them like like setting up the scene you're like drop one drop two drop three (laughs) drop four so awesome Uh, yeah yeah, there's a lot of a lot of comedy mixed with a lot of like straight jump scares horror i mean there's there's a lot of really good stuff in there um, I love how they just kind of disregard the chick from part two, like the blonde chick that's like kind of the t- like she yeah. dies she dies in that hearse and then Tom Man just carries her head off and he's just, oh, she's he's just like yeah yeah <laughs> by the way here's her head yeah, yeah. he's yeah. just like well you know toss it in the backpack <laughs> like telling the dwarves like hey, let's let's get back to work you it's know? kind of like going from aliens to alien three right because you <laughs> got Newt you know then all of a sudden it's just like. Yeah, we just, don't, we just don't need her anymore. <laughs> they mostly come at night. <laughs> so you always kind of wonder, too, because the legend is that this guy that plays Michael in the second movie beat Brad Pitt for the role. Oh, really? Yeah. So you always wonder what this movie would look like with uh, a young Brad Pitt in it. Brad Pitt was just starting to work back in those days, though, I think. Yeah. Like, um, cutting class, I think, was just like his first thing. Yeah. Well, that's, a, a, that's an interesting tidbit, you know, of that. That that is interesting. I wonder if it'd have been one of those situations with uh, 
like Leprechaun or Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where they're like trying to get it from being released or trying to get it unreleased because right, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want that out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's so so goofy. Like like, at least Matthew McConaughey has a sense of humor, but Jennifer Aniston's just like, like no, I don't. I want to get rid of this movie. It's like, <laughs> no, I I think she said in like a recent interview, like she recognizes it, and like she she didn't have a bad time making it. It's like it's like you shouldn't you shouldn't do that because a lot of a lot of ones that started out in horror films that. That was their big break, obviously. Yeah, that's where you start. And, well, and it's, it's kind of like going to the, hello, Sting, you were yeah. in the police. Right. It's not a bad thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, yeah, but then, you know, you look at, you know, A-list Hollywood loyal, uh, royalty, you know, and look at who all came out of horror movies and a lot of them did because that's, that's where you can catch a break. That's where your, 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 your chops don't have to be that good to get a start in some indie films and horror movies are generally profitable. So if somebody's off, you know, in the woods shooting a horror movie, you're like, sure, you know, let me get a credit under my belt. And then later on, that's you're willing, you're willing to show a little skin. You're in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Johnny Depp Johnny Depp and that cut off t-shirt Nightmare on Elm Street man got him all it took. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so Billy's never seen Phantasm Ravagers he's never seen the Battle Cuda in action right which is, which is one of the, the the banner parts of that film yeah. is when the when Jody shows up in the Battle Cuda which has Gatling guns and bulletproof uh covers on it and it's 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 pretty wild looking and i gotta say that and yeah it's, it's a real yeah. small part of the movie though but when it shows up it, it's pretty spectacular it's when the chips are down here comes jody with the battle cuda you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about ravager is i mean it, it had some obvious you know paying it for the fans no doubt about it i mean it just doesn't execute it as well as you would have liked you know you want it to be the there's an, there's an amazing line that I was looking for and I couldn't find it on the internet because INDB fucking sucks, apparently. She freaking sucks. I'm sorry, family show. Um, <laughs> where Tallman's talking to, to Reggie and Mike when they're on the other planet and he basically lays it all out for them by saying, I think, I forget the line, but basically Michael was the chosen one and Reggie, basically, he was the, he was the, 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 the thing that was nipping at his boot heels constantly, you know. Hmm. It's, he, he delivers the line better than I do, and it's a different line, but it's towards <laughs> the end, and I think it's one of the great lines out of Angus that they've got out of the whole series, actually, because it kind of lays yeah. on the table, like, you know what? Never really wanted you. He's always kind of there, you know, pissing me off. He was always the one that I wanted, and it kind of lays the cards on the table like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it all, it all, it all planned out, like, like you say, you know. Yeah, I just I think it's just a it's a solid series of movies, and you know I don't know which one I, I mean Ravager to me would be the weakest one, but I've seen way worse sequels to other movies than, than <laughs> Ravager, you know. If, uh, if I, I if I if I had to rank them, I think the first one's the tops for me. Yeah, I think after that would come would come would come oblivion i think because i think it's a great companion piece of the first one yeah 
Uh, this is hard to put part three, part two, and then Ravager. It's so hard to put part two towards the bottom, but again, I've watched them so many times to where there's certain things about certain sequels that I think just make them better. And that's that's just my opinion. That's one that's one guy's opinion. So don't don't attack me, people. Come on now, you know. So, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm close to that. I I would almost as much as I like three, I would just do right opposite. I'd probably do two and three and then Ravager at the end. But I agree with one and and, and Oblivion. I, I think mm. those two together really give you the the nuts and bolts of what this is all about. Then I have some watching to do. <laughs> I got two, two more films to finish the series, but I'm looking at the time. We are about to have to close it down. So right. this has been yet another awesome episode of, you know, what's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much to our very special guest. We had, we had two guests. If you're looking at the screen on the video here, <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it was, it was, it was awesome to have you on. It was a blast. And anytime you want to come on in the future, you know, shoot us a subject and we will, we'll figure out how to make it happen. Cause this was, this was a blast. Really enjoyed deep dive into into phantasm. It's, it's, yep. kind of, it's kind of like the outer limits. We control the horizontal and the vertical. So you know, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. always a blast, man. Always yeah, a blast. Appreciate the the spot on here, man. I really appreciate that. And I, I had a good time talking to you guys too. Uh, as this man right here, I'm just, I, I sound like I'm not excited, but I'm very excited to be here. I'm just, I'm just that humble. You know? <laughs> 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 that's the thing with me, man. It's like if there's one thing that's probably one of my top characteristics, it's my humility. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I put that at the top of the resume. Like humble, <laughs> I'm humble, dude. <laughs> but no, man, we had a blast, and um, can't wait to see everybody next week. And I guess until next time, check us out on the Facebook page. Uh, sign up for Pizza Day, and. Uh, We'll see you. <laughs> we'll we'll see you soon. <laughs> Taco Tuesday, huh? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Did you enjoy that one? <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next week.